0: Well, welcome in to another episode of the Dream, Create, Enjoy podcast. I'm Drew. I'm joined by two other folks. Uh, Why
1: don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves. I'm Jace, back again. And I'm Jacob, second time. Yes, this is Jacob's
0: second episode. You don't have to answer 10 uh, questions this time. You just get to just enjoy the episode. So it's great to see you guys. Uh, It's great to have another conversation we have been working through, and we're going to break this down in a second, we've been working through kind of some of our essentials, and this episode is all about kind of a slower pace and slowing down in general. And so in the spirit of that, I thought it'd be fun before we dive into you know, the meat of this episode to ask you guys a question. What is your favorite thing to do to slow down and relax? So what is it like your go-to when life's been too busy, you're moving at a frantic, uh, Pace, what is it that you want to do to slow down?
1: Yeah, so uh, when I can go to bed early, that's the best. And then get up the next morning, have no set plans, grind some coffee beans, make a pour over a cup of coffee and just read for an hour or two is like the best. Uh, I can't really do that at night, but in the morning when you have that time, it is so good to slow down like that.
2: Yeah, I can go. This is this one's hard for me. I don't, I'm a multitasker. I like to do a lot of things at once. So it's hard. I struggle with solitude and slowing down, but I, you, you got me thinking. I do really enjoy, especially, I usually do this on the weekends, but mornings where I don't have any, I don't have to go to work or any obligations. Mm-hmm. And I just really enjoy cooking. Uh, I don't want to do dishes. I don't want to clean up, but I really enjoy the act of like cooking. Uh, and so the, my thing is lately I've been making uh, bacon, egg, and cheese sandwiches in the morning. Uh, because it's just like slow methodical make myself a cup of coffee while I do it uh, I really enjoy that and disc golf golf—that's uh, a nice way for me to kind of get out and slow down a little bit too so what about you Drew?
0: Good answers actually I, I have to say I've sat I know Jace is a multitasker I've sat in a hotel room at a conference with him and watched him uh, watch TV, listen to a podcast eat snacks and play a game on his phone all at the same time and it like uh, it makes me anxious just watching it. Like I can't imagine. Yeah, it's pretty average for me. So, yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine doing four things at the same time. Um, yeah, I uh, well, one Jacob's answer is would be before kids would definitely be more my answer. Uh, you know, I actually, um, as an Enneagram three, especially I love when it rains and I'm forced to do nothing and I can just sit and drink coffee and read a book on a rainy day. Oh my gosh, those are the best days. Now that I have kids. Uh, My other go-to, I have played golf my entire life. And as much as I love playing golf with other people, there is something incredibly spiritual for me. When I get to go play by myself, you find a golf course that isn't a busy day where you have tons of people trying to, you know, play quickly behind you. And you can just, I can just take my time. I don't even have to keep score. It's just about the beauty of the game, hitting good shots, enjoying nature. Oh my gosh, those are like some of my best days but I can just take a, to have a like slow four or five hour round and just enjoy, enjoy being outside. So anyways, well, hopefully if you're listening, uh, this is, you know, spurred some ideas in your mind about what it means to slow down, because that's going to be everything that we're talking about in this episode, uh, right after the intro. So let's cue the intro. Well, welcome to the Dream, Create, Enjoy podcast. This podcast is an extension of Renaissance. We're a new grassroots church movement getting off the ground in the Boston metro area with a humble vision to empower everyday people, dreamers, creators, and enjoyers of life to showcase the beauty of Christ in our city. Every episode, we'll talk about themes related to that vision and what it means to be the church in our unique cultural moment. To find out more about us, head to wearenaissance.org. In the meantime, we're glad you're tuning in. Enjoy the episode.
2: Welcome back. Uh, so we're getting into, this is episode seven of season two. Uh, and we've been going through our essentials all season. So if you uh, haven't have listened to those, I encourage you to go back uh, and listen to that. But So we've been going through all these essentials that you can find our website. Like I said, So last last week was practice over theory. Um, And so this week, I'm gonna let Drew introduce uh, our topic for this essential that we're going through.
0: Yeah, I think it's easy to I think the easiest way to say it is just pace over performance. So if you actually read our essentials, it just says, we value a slow pace, being rooted in relationships and locality, rather than having a culture of performance and results. So uh, this is something we could, I mean, these are themes that we've talked about. If you've listened to our podcast at all, there's there are a lot of themes that keep coming up over and over again. And this is something we've highlighted before, um, but I think we're going to talk about it very intentionally in this episode. And we could probably, honestly, we're so passionate about this. We could probably spend like three episodes, four episodes talking about it. But I actually think it's best if Jacob uh, starts us off like talking about the problem with this. So why is it that uh, we think, kind of a culture of performance and results is bad for us or detrimental to us. Uh, He's actually going to be delivering our celebration in June uh, as we're recording this uh, for our communities, for our celebration, talking a little bit about Sabbath keeping and just the importance of slowing down in general. So Jacob, why don't you talk, maybe kick us off about why this is a problem and why why we think it's something we need to talk about.
1: Yeah, I think that even when you read the essential, it's just refreshing this idea of pace over performance. And uh, I think our churches collectively um, have been greatly influenced by the success obsessed West, right? Where we, I mean, we're in America, right? We want to be bigger and better and faster and Our worth and value uh, as individuals and as organizations is determined by how much we can do in the least amount of time. And while that produces some good things, and I'm thankful that I'm thankful for productivity, I'm a one on the Enneagram, I love to get stuff done. But at the same time, uh, when that becomes the ultimate goal, I think there's a lot of stuff that gets left behind like our uh mental and emotional health which we know um is careening out of control uh in so many spheres and uh locality and being rooted being present to people and it's a problem um because uh i think we're mirroring our culture more uh than we're mirroring the kingdom more than we're mirroring Jesus that as a church we want to first be influenced by how Jesus lived and i'm Pretty confident. I don't want to get too far into it, but um, I'm not quite sure Jesus was obsessed with success and performance as much as we are.
2: Oh, that's great. I, th- I mean, I when I think about this too, uh, and just the way that we worded it in our essentials, being rooted in relationships rather than having a culture of performance and results. You know, the one the one is you know they're they're kind of um, two ends of the spectrum because rooted in relationships, you have to go slow to in order to build relationships with someone you can't, there's no like expediting the process to build trust with someone or to to grow close to someone. Like that just takes time. And I I think so often, you know, I come from a finance background, it's always up and to the right, right? Everything just has to keep going up and to the right. Uh, Growth, 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 number, number, numbers, the stock market's like that. Everything's like that. And so it just constantly produces this, uh, I would say inauthenticness of us, of of just kind of a shortcut, you know, it's an age old thing. Does the ends justify the means? And I don't think like you were saying, Jacob, I mean, Jesus, the, the, the process is the walking with Jesus, right? It's not the, there's not some end goal that we're trying to achieve. It the, It's the process. That is the goal. And so I think so time, so many times we want to shortcut the process that it takes to get there just so that we can get the result that we want instead of, and we miss so much. I think we just miss so much of what God is doing around us, what we can offer to the world when we are just focused on the results instead of being aware. Sometimes we're just unaware of what's going on around us because we're going too fast to even notice it. Yeah, man, Both
0: as both of you were talking, man, there's so many great things I think you brought out. And yeah, I mean, I think about this. Uh, as, I, as I was even rereading it, I was like, gosh, I really love that we wrote this. Uh, I really love that we wrote this essential. And I don't know, uh, and as we were creating it, who was the one that kind of worded it this way, but it's really beautiful. And I think it has both personal and communal like implications for us. You know, I think from a personal level, we live in a, a culture that tells us that it's actually in, in doing more and achieving more that we actually find our worth. I think this is part of the reason that when we slow down we it slowing down is so hard for us uh and i think most of us were addicted to going quick and moving fast and in the process yeah we we we're, we're living at an unhealthy pace and we're missing uh, our souls are actually dying it's it's actually toxic for us to live at the pace that we are again there's lots of factors in this but i think there's a reason why depression and suicide rates and all that you know mental health is is becoming this incredible crisis. We don't actually ever think about the environmental causes we off, we just want to pop a pill and just like how do I continue on and again not that medicine's not bad or that we, that we don't need to seek lots of different solutions to that but I think a lot of times we neglect the environmental factors that are leading us uh, we, we're living at such an unhealthy pace as a culture. Um, and it's because we've bought this lie that's actually toxic to our souls. And that if we would do less, be more rooted in the places around us, I think we would begin to discover uh, the good life the way God intended for us um, in a much better way. And there's we could spend tons of time talking about that. Uh, but also from a communal level, I think when the church operates at this level, I think what ends up happening in the same way it's toxic, for I think, for a church or for an organization, but in a different way. I think it actually, we actually end up um, treating people as a cog in a machine to get where we need to go. And I love Jay. You touched on something that I think is so important. Uh, love, by its very nature, has to go slow. Uh, it has to be patient. Um, you know, when you think about First uh, Corinthians thirteen, starting in verse four, when we talk about the great love chapter, what is the very first descriptor of love? That we get there from the Apostle Paul, love is patient. Uh, you know, it goes on about keeping no records of wrongs, and, and you know, talking about basically not having an agenda. By its very nature, love has to go slow. Uh, it has to be steadfast. It has to 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 be rooted. And so, in the very nature, by us going slow, I think this is part of the reason the church is become not known by its love, not known by its care and concern for people. Because at the end of the day, achieving organizational results has now become the preeminent concern. And so whoever's on board, get on board. Whoever's not, get out of our way because we've got this thing to achieve. And I think in the process, like you're saying, we're missing the beautiful journey, uh,
2: the process that Jesus is calling us into. And the what you were saying, Jacob, about being shaped by the culture, I think so often a lot of times it comes from a good intention. We want certain outputs, and we think... Okay, these are what God wants as outputs. And so we're gonna do whatever we can to achieve these outputs. And I think, you know, we're gonna elaborate this more in the next part when we, we go into the solution, but Jesus was always way more concerned with the inputs than the outputs, um, in every aspect. And so I think we so often think that there's a certain output, you know, there's there's plenty of scripture references there. Like, you know, the one that comes to mind is the is, you know, when he's talking to the Pharisees and you clean the outside of the cup, but the inside is. Is dirty, or what comes out of the heart? You know, what comes out of the tongue is is reflective of what's in the heart. Like he's much more concerned with our motives and our inputs than he is the certain outputs or the you know the results that. But we think that that's the answer because that's you know checks all the boxes. And sometimes there's a those are great intentions, but we miss so much in that. And I think that that's good to to clarify is that it's not just like a we're choosing bad over good. A lot of times it's we think that we're doing the right thing because the output is what we believe to be. Godly, um, but we lose track of the input, and that God is much more concerned with the input than he is with the output.
1: Yeah, I think that's so true, Jace. And I think that this slow pace that we're talking about, part of the problem, thinking about outputs and inputs, is a fast pace doesn't output the kind of things that we want as an organization and as individuals, as followers of Jesus. So if you make your goals uh, about attendance or about uh, growing um, quickly, buildings um, or budgets—those are the outputs. But what you have to input into that doesn't actually produce life. Doesn't uh, produce life for the individuals as they feel like cogs in a machine, and it does not produce life as um, as an organization. Because even though you have all the right metrics, you're not actually hitting the goal. Which we can all agree the goal of Uh, communities of Jesus is to form disciples, to help people know Jesus, love Jesus, live in Jesus deeply. And those things actually living at a fast place, actually even negate the goal from being able to happen. And so I think it becomes a huge problem. Um, And also part of the problem is that people who move at a slow pace doesn't mean you're not productive, but you live at a, a steadfast, faithful, methodical pace they're actually often looked down upon as like not productive or like people probably would not business leaders probably would not have liked Jesus for many reasons. One of them is that he would have moved way too slow uh, for their liking. And uh, you see that sometimes in the gospels where the disciples were telling Jesus to hurry up or move on to the next thing, or why are you thinking about the meal we need to eat tonight or whatever it is. So I think that this problem of, um, slow pace and uh, culture performance, they often butt heads.
0: No, that's a good word. Well, and both, both of you are talking. I really appreciate, Jace, you even saying like like the intention is, is good. I think it's good that we clarify that. And in fact, as I've operated in churches like that, our intentions were good. But I think we, uh, I would say maybe kind of as a final word before we transition into our break and get into this, this next section, uh, I, I think a lot of times we over accentuate the Great Commission. And uh, which I think that people would be like, no, that's, that's heresy. No, I I think it's important. I think we, but I think we, we've spun it to match kind of an industrial complex uh, business world. And so we've kind of co-opted the Great Commission to that. And so we use it. And the way that we use it is kind of in a very business organizational growth sense. And so it's like our excuse uh, to justify any means necessary, as long as the great commission's happening. Uh, but we, we could even argue with whether or not disciples are actually even being created or just attenders. There's lots of ways that we could break that down. But I think in the process, uh, we also oft, often forget that the great commandment needs to go before the great commission. And we have to love the Lord, our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength to love our neighbor as ourselves. If we're not getting those right first, uh, that why I would even argue that is the discipleship part of the Great Commission. but if we're not if we're not getting that right first, uh, our excuses to just use the Great Commission to justify any means necessary uh, is really, really unhealthy. And I, I guess the only other thing I would say on this too, and I think Jake's kind of I think both of you were saying, uh, I, I was actually listening to another podcast recently uh, with a guy from Britain that I love and he was actually pointing out that the the Greek word for radical, uh, you know uh, that Francis Chan uses, I think, almost in that same sense uh, of kind of being this, this radical, do extreme things is actually r- meaning rooted. Uh, and so actually to be radical is to be rooted, is to slow down, is to stand out from our culture. And so I think one of the most radical things that we can do in our faith is exactly what we're going to describe in the second part of this episode. So we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to get to talk about the positive side of this, which is always the more fun part of the episodes, where we don't just talk about all the problems, but we talk about the solutions. What does it look like to slow down for us and for our micro churches, so that we can truly get this right and live in the way in Jesus, the way that we're supposed to, right after the break. And we're back. And as I, we just mentioned, we are going to be talking about the solution side. We've talked about the problem. We've talked a little bit about what happens with performance based spirituality, both for us personally and communally or, or organizationally. Now we want to talk about the, the positive side. So uh, Jacob, why don't you kick us off? Why? Uh, like, what does a slow pace look like? Why is it important? And, and how do we begin to get this right?
1: Yeah. So personally, this journey for myself, I kind of grew up um, in college and after doing some internships, like really moving at a fast speed and thinking about how much I can get done and all the success I was going to have in my career, quote unquote. And God really hit me with the fact that uh, Jesus walked at a slow pace. And uh, I read a book by a Japanese theologian, And it's called Three Mile an Hour God, which I love that title because it's this idea that Jesus walked wherever he went and he walked at a slow pace. And the guy's name is Kasuke Koyama, and he talks about God this way. He says, God walks slowly because he is love. If he is not love, he would have gone much faster. Love has its speed it is an inner speed a spiritual speed it is a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed it is slow yet it is lord over all other speeds since it is the speed of love and i just love that like the speed of love kind of like what jace talked about earlier is slow it's intentional and if we put the great commandment before the great commission that we love people around us and i think that um we would, I would encourage us, and this has been my journey, I'm still figuring it out, but slowing down to make sure that I'm present. I remember uh, an old girlfriend of mine commented um, to me one time that you don't really listen to people. You're like distracted every time someone talks for more than about 30 seconds. And I was like, that's not true of me. And then I asked for feedback and it was very true of me. And so uh, it's impossible to love people when we're fast-paced and distracted.
2: Yeah, and I would I would say you know if you if you're if you've been listening all season long you probably see a theme of um, every one of these we we really got from just looking at Jesus. <laughs> uh, I love what Jake was saying about the three mile God. He walked everywhere. You know, it's really the example of Jesus. You know, if, if if becoming a disciple is becoming more like Jesus, then we should strive to be more like him in every aspect, right? And so we've talked about what that's looked like with every single essential, and I think this one's no different. I think you think about Jesus going slow. Pretty much everything he did was slow. Like every single story of Jesus that I think about in the Bible, there was an aspect of him going slow, right? They, he was told that Lazarus uh, was sick and he waited three days before he even left and took, took a while to get there. The bleeding woman that comes and uh, stops him while he's on the way to heal, you know, a very important person's daughter. Like, you know, they're on their way to somewhere else and he stops and it says he heard her whole story, you know, which had to take a while. Uh, and so he he was going slow, like the woman caught in adultery, he bends down the sand and he writes uh, and he's going slow. Right. So, ba- I mean, basically, every time he healed someone, every time he was doing something, he was never in a hurry. He was never rushed. I, even when the the wind and the waves were crashing, there was a storm in the boat. He was downstairs sleeping and they had to wake him up <laughs> and he got a little upset about it. You know, like I think about it's just every single time he's just going slow. Um, even his death was slow. You know, everything about Jesus was slow. And so I think if we want to be people who are following the way of Jesus and everything he has to offer, if we want to go at the speed of love, then it requires us to go slow and to go at, at that pace. And I think we can learn a lot from from studying not just what Jesus told us, but his life and what he did to do, right? You know, one of my favorite things about him as well is the, you know, it says in Mark one that he stayed up all night healing everyone in town. And then in the next verse, it says he got up very early in the morning to pray and be with the father. And so he went and, and sought out time alone to slow down even more than what he was because he had just had a long, busy night. And so I think um, not only, you know, we, we can say it's countercultural now in today's time. Uh, I would argue it's probably been countercultural the, for the all of time. But um, but more than that, it's biblical. It's what Jesus did. And, and that's why we should strive to live that way is that Yes, it's countercultural. It makes it stand out even more, which is even more reason for us as Christ followers do that. But it's because that's where we can really find connection and really live into this life that Jesus has for us is, is by going slow, following his example. That's
0: awesome. And I honestly, as you were describing that, I, I love it. But I was thinking through how many Christians base their reality on Paul and not Jesus. We have a very Pauline version of living the Christian life. And that's no knock on Paul. But I think we see Paul's like adventurous, constantly going mentality, which isn't totally even fair. We're seeing the high points of Paul's journey in Acts. And I think we, we sometimes just assume how quick even Paul was moving. And I think Paul was probably moving at a much slower pace than we give him credit for too. But also, uh, well, and one, I should even just say, we need to look more like Jesus. Uh, and I love some of the points that you brought out um and i would even recommend i love a few years ago i read the book god's favorite place on earth by frank viola and it's almost like he's writing another gospel account from Lazarus, lazarus's perspective and it brings more humanity to jesus and how slow and intentionally it was i just i ate it up i loved it but um but yeah i think what what you're describing i think how much trust we have in god Uh, And how much I think Jesus moved slow because he had he had a dependency on the spirit. He was connected to God. He knew God was working. Uh, I think sometimes our our speed shows our lack of faith. Um, So, Jacob, uh, I know you're passionate about some of this because you've been really good at reorienting your life, some of this direction. How can we adopt some practices that kind of renew our faith and trust in God so that we can slow down and begin to get some of this right? Personally,
1: yeah, I think you hit it that it takes intentionality and practice. This won't happen by accident. Following Jesus doesn't happen by accident, right? It takes intentionality. And uh, one of my mentors says uh, our culture is moving so quickly and so um, much in contrast to the way of Jesus. If you're not resisting, uh, you're drifting, meaning that you're going within. So we have to be intentional. So, two things I'd recommend. Uh, one is a rule of life, and you're going to hear us talk about this more, but rule of life is just a game plan. It's the whiteboard with the circles for the football play and the lines. It's the, you plan out what you're going to do to follow Jesus. And so most of us, it's crazy. We'll be Christians for 20 years. We get baptized. We say, Jesus is my number one priority, number one relationship. And we never actually think about, Oh, here's the things I'm going to do to make sure um, his way, his teaching, um, his priorities are my priorities. So, rule life is simply um, a a game plan, a rhythm for you to follow Jesus. So, it's very simple things like I'm going to commit to um, prayer or scripture reading or uh, commit to making space to have people over uh, for meals or to neighbor. There's all kinds of different things. We don't have time to get into it, but uh, we have resources that we can give you on a rule of life that um, really helps with it. And then the second thing is Sabbathing. And this is what the celebration is going to be about as we want to be a restful church. But Sabbath is a lost art that I want us to reclaim. And Sabbath is not some religious um, holy day that is a damper. Sabbath is a delight. It's just a day to stop and rest and delight and worship. It's a day where you stop from work so that Um, you can slow down, so you can recenter yourself, so you can be with God and be with the people you love. And so you can actually um, know how you're doing, because often we move so fast, we don't even know how we're thinking or how we're feeling, how we're doing. And so I think we need to reclaim Sabbath and say, I'm not sure that going um, full speed or even half speed for seven days all the time is sustainable for us and for our souls. So Rule of life.
0: Yeah. Would you kind of expand on the Sabbath a little bit? Cause you touched on something. I think people, and I I know this is true of me uh, and probably Jace too. When they hear Sabbath, they think I have to stop doing everything. And I've recently, like as I've been exploring and getting better at that, I've been introduced from some spiritual discipline people about uh, you kind of touched on briefly about feasting and delighting and like having this awesome Sabbath where it's actually the day you look forward to, the rest of the week, rather than this like lame, like, oh, I can't do anything sort of idea. So maybe would you expand upon that of how that how we get Sabbath wrong? And maybe if you could even talk about some of the things you do in your own Sabbath to pass on some practical advice?
1: Yeah, so the Pharisees made Sabbath all about the nos, and Jesus made Sabbath all about the yeses. So that's the biggest difference. And the Pharisees always critique Jesus about how he practiced Sabbath, which is ironic because Jesus thought up the Sabbath. And so uh, it should be like Christmas every week. It's like a holiday. So good. So it should have really good food, really good drink, time with people you love. Uh, And I think it looks a little bit different for everyone. So if you really love outdoor stuff, go for a hike, uh, garden, uh, do things that are enjoyable and life giving. Uh, if you want to be inside and read a book or um, enjoy a good film that's great but it's this idea of what can i do for 24 hours that would bring me deep joy that's the question what can i do for 24 hours that brings me joy you answer that question and you got a really great sabbath so it is about stopping from work but it's so that we can detach and reattach to what really matters and to make sure that uh we're not we're not going too fast and also so that we can um like be replenished. It's all about replenishment. It's all about um I think in our culture, we work, work, work and then we rest for like a week and then we work, 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 work and wait for a week. What if you really live from rest rather than like constantly just waiting for the next vacation?
2: And I'll I'll add too while we're on the topic of Sabbath. It was this was one of the most life changing things I when in college I started. I had a spiritual mentor that really uh, was big on, you know, resting well and and taking a Sabbath. And it was the most transformative thing in my relationship with Jesus was just that one day a week. And like you were saying, it was something I looked forward to every week. I did mine on Fridays. Um, I think that's another important thing. It's whatever works for you. But I I think for me, sometimes it's, we, we always think of rest as physical. And I think sometimes it's really important that we think of rest as mental too and spiritual. And so sometimes it sounds, it sound, you know, so, sometimes my, my Sabbaths were, I'm, you know, day of solitude and I go in a park and I just sit and, you know, I'm, I'm spending time with God and doing nothing. But sometimes my, my Sabbath was, I'm out in the yard and I'm mowing and I'm pulling stuff. And that's not work to me because my work all week is in front of a computer and it's my mind. And that allows me to shut my mind off. And to me, that is restful and brings me joy. And so I think that's the important thing is like you were saying, the Pharisees made it all about the nose. It's not that you can't do things on the Sabbath. It's what, what, what can I do that's going to bring me joy? Is it a bike ride? Is it working in the garden? Is it reading the book? Is it, you know, spending time with family and friends and going out for a nice meal? So I think those are the, those are the kind of things that have really transformed me and allowed me to live more out of, of a place of rest than a hurried pace. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And uh,
0: I love what you're describing. What happens if we, we ate our best meal, we feast, we did our best feasting on our Sabbath. What if we, you know, um, we planned it where it wasn't accidental. I think that's even some of the issue is I think we're so exhausted and we get to a day off and it's just like, we just, you know, almost just become sloths because we're just so overtired. And we've spent no time being intentional about our rest. And so I think what Jacob and you're describing is intentionality in our slowing down. Um, so
2: that that's we- a great point, because you can sit on the couch and watch Netflix all day. And that's not a Sabbath. No, you know, because no. there's not there's not intentionality behind it. And it's not restful it's more of that's just an escape and a distraction. Yeah.
0: yeah. But I think, yeah, that's a great distinction, uh, truly celebrating versus escapism. So, well, how about uh, not to keep moving us, but we only have so much time. What about communally? We've talked now a little bit individually about uh, adopting a rule of life, Sabbath keeping, some of the things we can personally do. Um, and uh, I know again, Jacob's going to be talking on this. I think we would all recommend um the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry from John Mark Comer. He, and he's actually got a free guide online, if you actually Google it, where you can actually uh, spend several weeks adopting some practices, uh, some crazy practices even to slow down, um, which would be really cool. But what about communally? Because I don't think we talk about this enough. Uh, typically, when this conversation happens, we always talk individually. And I think it's ironic. I've heard lots of churches that move at, insane speeds they're they're working their employees 60 hours a week you know they've constantly got programs and events going on at the church there's this expectation you're constantly volunteering beyond the 40 50 60 hours you work your own career i mean it's it's insane but we don't talk about this communally organizationally enough so how do we think that our micro churches and how can renaissance get this right um uh, as we are we're trying to adopt this um, as an essential for us, not just personally, but communally.
1: I think a really simple way is that um, we gauge the health of our micro churches not by uh, performance metrics, right? But by what, how are the, re- what's the health of the relationships? Um, how are we uh, spending time together? I mean, and also um, not, just because a church is micro doesn't mean it can't be over-programmed. Uh, and so uh, I think it's a great way for us to remember, like, what is this really about and keeping the main thing, the main thing. Now, as you know, I'm brand new uh, to Renaissance. I haven't even been part of a micro church yet. So I'd love to hear from you guys about what this looks like communally. Well, I, I think the, <clears throat> what you measure is important. I mean, we've talked
2: about that uh, previously, but you know, people inherently, uh what you measure is what they're trying to shoot for. And so if you can have some metrics that are more uh related about being rooted, um, that that's important. And another thing we, we, we talked about before, too, I think is important is what you celebrate, you know, what are we, are we celebrating when someone is slowing down? Are we highlighting that instead of, you know, in our culture, where sometimes you, you feel guilty for taking a vacation, like, no, let's celebrate that. Like, you like, let's celebrate you sabbath Let's make it okay to say, oh, today's my Sabbath. I'm not going to do this today. You know, this is my day that I'm not scheduling any meetings. Like, we need to have those practices in our life and and to celebrate those things. So I think what we celebrate and what we talk about <clears throat> naturally uh, rubs off on, on the people around us. And so I think on a Renaissance level, we can celebrate and highlight not just the group that is that has doubled in the number of people that are attending in the past year. But let's celebrate the group that spent three months really getting to know their neighborhood and through some great parties for neighbors. And, you know, so I think it's 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 in the little things like that that can make a huge difference. Um, and even just what we're communicating is what we celebrate. Yeah, I think that's great. Well, I mean, we talk, I think every organization talks about that.
0: Uh, your culture is not what you put on a, even on your essentials. Uh, it really is the byproduct of what, you know, what you're celebrating and what your rhythms and habits are. And so one of my, actually, one of my favorite things, even on that topic, Jace, I loved, we just actually had a call, our last call with all of our microchurch leaders. We have a monthly call and like on Zoom and we're we're checking in with one another. And one of the things we were talking about coming out of this pandemic, as we're thawing out of this, that maybe as much as everybody wants to get back to normal and grow, maybe this actually this next year isn't about growth. Maybe like for a lot of our leaders we're like, maybe, you know, your people in your microchurch and people in your neighborhood are just exhausted. And like they've been, you know, uh, Andy Crouch has talked about our outputs have never been higher than they were during the pandemic. Uh, we, most of us have neglected inputs for a really long time. And so we've been really efficient but we actually haven't gotten nearly as much rest even though we've not been going to work. So maybe, you know uh just needing to rest and creating safe spaces for people to celebrate and rest and commune again and i just loved that that became like a topic like i, I it was so refreshing to me like we were literally like just freeing the expectation like that growth has to be the the number one thing not that we're anti-growth we're hoping the spirit moves in hearts and minds and that great things happen and that some of our micro churches grow and multiply or expand but even if they don't we're just like letting that happen. So we're almost celebrating and kind of putting the expectation uh, on something different. I I also think um, the other answer that I was thinking of was just a a communal rule of life. You know, we talked about a personal rule of life. You know, I think it's important uh, for us to have a communal rule of life. And I think this is probably where a lot of like church small groups or Bible studies miss the mark. It's so much just about the study that it's not about doing life together, and so one of the things we're always talking about is how to adopt a communal rule of life. What rhythms and rituals do we put in place? And I think one of the things that hopefully that we we get right, we're always trying to put the focus on rootedness. Like, how do you go? How do you go deeper in your neighborhood? How do you spend more time uh, with the people around you? That naturally slows you down. Uh, and I think um, we we were just actually talking about this in a meeting. We live in a very translocal place in in greater Boston, um, where not only do a lot of people come and go, but also that like right now we're getting ready to enter the summer, the city just empties out. Like there's so many people like, oh, I've got a weekend, I've just got to go. Uh and every weekend they're at the Cape or if they're on the North Shore. Or, and again, we were just talking about personally. It is important for us to get away. It is important for us to have time with our families and time for rest. But there's also a detriment where it's it becomes another achievement it, it's not actually coming from rest it's like it's coming from a place of consume consumption and from a place of like i need more 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 and this is what the cultures told me that if i have a vacation house or if i if i get to get away every weekend that my life is better whereas i think sometimes uh we're missing like there's wonderful people that live hundreds of you know within 100 200 yards of us and if we would actually do more with them Go deeper there, do life with them, uh, and in our our faith communities, in our micro churches, would have rhythms built in that establish that we actually do life more with our neighbors and we keep each other accountable for it. Uh, it's actually going to help us slow down naturally um, to spend less time in the car, spend less time jumping to the next thing, and being with the people God has placed around us. And so that was another answer that came came to mind to me was just naturally if we're getting our micro churches right. Hopefully, uh, this is a byproduct um, that is rooting us uh, in locality rather than
2: translocality. Well, I uh, I think yeah. Go ahead, Jace. I was just going to say we're we're wrapping up here. And just a, a a closing thought for me. This is something that we've hinted at a couple times, and I think it's really important to come back to because um, I think it's the crux of the crux of it all. Is you mentioned earlier, it's about trust. Um, and that when i and we mentioned it but i think trust is so important when we trust that the that God and the Holy Spirit is working and that we're not the we're not the ones even the great commission that we're not the ones that's going to change anyone's hearts that that's the holy spirit's job and that's God's job my job is just to be a participant in that when we get that you know like Jesus says my yoke is easy my burden is light he says come follow me that's an invitation to just be a participant we don't have to we, we leave the hard stuff to him. He's the one that's going to soften hearts and change people. Um, we're just called to participate and be along for the ride and be open for when the opportunity presents itself. But at the crux of that is trust. It's trusting that, that God is in control and that no matter how great I think I am, I'm not going to change the person next door. Jace isn't that great. I need a work of the spirit and of God to change them. And when I have trust that he's working and all I have to do is be faithful and get to know and be a part of that journey, then that allows me to focus on the inputs and not the outputs. Cause I know that, that God's got the outputs covered. I don't have to worry about that. All I have to do is be faithful to the inputs. And that's where real life change happens and where real rest happens and real growth happens is when we're not focused on that, but we're focused on the inputs. Um, and that we're trusting God to deal with the outputs. It's not that we're not working towards that, but I think that trust piece is huge. Uh, and it's something that we need to not overlook, uh, in the in this theme of going slow is that it does require trust to go slow that God's got this it requires trust to sit and not do any work for a day and sing and think, hey, this is gonna be okay. Like it all comes back to trust and thinking properly of ourselves. We're not that great. You know, let's I mean some of us are greater than others, right? But but in overall we're not that great. I mean we're we 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 can be with the help of the Holy Spirit and with God, but um, but it's joining him on that journey and trusting him with that results. It's Almost like Jesus said that in John 15. You know,
0: yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to say, Jacob, why don't you Why don't you close this out, buddy?
1: Yeah, I think that that's such a good point, Jason. To kind of bring all this to a close is not just trust that God's working without us because he is, but also that uh, God's working in us and that our worth is not found in our pace or in our work. And that as we... I prioritize the inputs that Jesus cares just as much about our rest and our margin and our sleep and our health as he does about what we do. And so that is so key for us to understand. And it's going to feel weird, but we are beloved sons and daughters and we can live at the slow pace of Jesus. Um, And and that's a good gift and be rooted in local and um, not base Uh, ourselves or our organizations on our, um, on performance and results. So, uh, grateful that we get to have this conversation. And, uh, with that, I think
0: we'll cue the outro. Yes. Thank you for joining us. Well, that's it for this episode of dream, create, enjoy. We hope you feel challenged and inspired. While we welcome any listeners, this podcast is really for those in the Boston metro area. If that's you and you want to know more about us or want to connect to what's going on, check us out at wearenaissance.org.